All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. The daily, the Hi-Fi Summit, <laughs> day four. There's too many uh, uh, names we have with Hi-Fi in it. I, I, you know, I get a little <laughs> confused sometimes, but that's okay. Today we're talking about uh, turntable and turntable setup with Jeff from Project, and we also have Josh from Macintosh Labs in as well. How is everybody How's doing you? today? Doing awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, very well. Good to yeah. be here. Good to have you guys. Nice to have some other people in the room. Oh yeah. <laughs> About overall you know, that mess, huh? Man, I'm down here in Austin, Texas. I don't get to have a lot of visitors. So, you know, I'm nice. doing this the hard way. There uh, you go. Jeff, what is that to your right? What speaker is that there? So this oh. is the uh the beautiful new Olympica Nova 5 from Sonus Faber. And why does this everybody is, uh, seem to have a, a Sonus Faber uh speaker over here? What's uh, going on here? Yeah. Well, I mean, in all honesty, we're we could have pretty much anything, you know, anything we'd like. Uh, but, you know, from a corporate standpoint, you know, Project, we're part of Sumiko. We're distributed in the United States by a company called Sumiko. Uh, and Sumiko is part of the Macintosh Group. So under the Macintosh Group, we own, of course, Macintosh Laboratories, some Faber loudspeakers, audio research, uh, then we also, and Sumiko phono cartridges. And then in the United States, we also distribute Project Audio Systems, which is what I'm here to talk about today, um, as well as also continual audio racks, which I have not yet picked one up. So, you know, please excuse the uh, the janky old hi-fi record you're doing for setup for today. Very It'll cool. work. So It'll what work. Are, what are we doing today? So yeah, so today, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about Project as a company, just kind of some of the things that makes us makes us cool. Um, and then I want to go through setup of one of our new turntables. So we're going to nice. talk about the X2. Uh, this is a fifteen hundred dollar retail turntable that ships with a factory mounted Sumiko Moonstone phono cartridge. So about a three hundred dollar. Mm -hmm moving magnet funnel cartridge. Um, so it's kind of, you're getting into pretty verified air for a lot of people when you start talking about turntables. You know, a lot of times it's like, man, I got a record player, I think it was $200 and I can't believe how much money I spent. Um, <laughs> for those of us in the industry, we're like, well, you know, you know two grand, three grand, four That's grand. Right. If you're Josh, you know, if you're Josh, $14,000, you know. <laughs> yeah. you Typically so, how I roll. Yeah. Josh, right. he's a high exactly. roller, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, yeah. man, so, I, I still. So I, we all have priorities, you know. Yep. Yep. This is right. I mean, yeah, I have my to show off some of the stuff we do. Yeah, do good. Let's go. Uh, no, I was just going to say I have my uh, Technics 1200s that I bought to start DJing back in 2001. They're still here, you know. Tried and nice. those things are tried and true, man. Yeah, I, I actually got the Real new steel. 1200 GR um, uh, Value Electronics sent it over for me to review. And I was just like, hey, this thing's awesome. Ooh. I'm not going to DJ with it, though. <laughs> tell you right? that much yeah i'm like well i'll just play some records let's do that you know and that's that's actually a good before we actually dig in and set the table up i think there's this is a good uh, good entry to sort of the philosophy behind, behind project sure. you know when you look at a company you know 30 years ago um heinz lichtenegger founded project uh, in austria the idea was at the time is there really weren't all the sort of great japanese direct drive turntables that had happened in the 70s and early 80s um, that were still pretty reasonably mm -hmm. priced um, then Thorin's and Duel, who were making some great belt drive stuff. A lot of those companies had gone away. Um, CD was really taking over the market. So that sort of really good mid-price turntable was getting harder and harder to find. So the market had kind of bifurcated into the really inexpensive plastic kind of rack system stuff, or DJ decks, or the super esoteric, you know, the sodas. Mm -hmm. Some of these guys were just starting to come out. Um, so what Heinz did is he found a factory that was in then Czechos Czechoslovakia, that had been manufacturing turntables and electrical motor products uh, for the Soviet bloc. 
you know, but after Eastern Europe opened up, all of a sudden these factories that had great industrial capabilities, they thought they were all shutting down. They couldn't imagine anybody in the West wanted what they were going to do. Hmm. Um, Heinz had an opportunity to hear one of those turntables immediately got in his car from Vienna, Austria, drove across the border. I mean, this is crazy for somebody that grew up in Cold War era Europe, right? Drives hmm. into Czechoslovakia and sits in front of this old Soviet style planning board and says, hey, guys. I want you guys to build me a turntable. All right. <laughs> and that was basically the genesis of the project one. Nice. Um, so we're, you know, coming up on over 30 years now uh, of building those sort of really high performance music oriented for home use. Mm -hmm. um, and every turntable we've built since has been a real high performance, reasonably priced in their category. I mean, we go sure. up to 12 yeah. grand, but sure. you know, whatever the category, we deliver an awful lot of value there, uh, but always belt drive. We're real big believers in that. Uh, that makes them terrible for DJing, right? So if you're out there in a club, you <laughs> oh. need it to come up to speed quick. If you want to back you, you're going to rip oh. a belt drive turntable apart. <laughs> no. You can't do it. I've had some um, nightmare um, um, late, late nights and early mornings on some belt drive turntables out in the desert. Like just, it's not, not, not an easy thing for DJing, but for hi-fi and just listening to sure. records, totally different situation. Yeah, exactly. Um, and for us, it's there's a kind of thing, it's all about noise isolation, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's really tough. And one of the things that, you know, our friends over techniques, you know, when you look at the amount of tr uh, detail that goes into decoupling mm -hmm. that motor from the platter, when the two things are directly connected, that is super hard to do. Um, chances are you can't do that in a sub $1,000, sub $1,500 turntable um, without getting a significant amount of that motor noise transmitting itself right to the sure. platter. Mm -hmm. And once that vibration is at the platter, you know, the stylus is in the groove. It doesn't know if that vibration is something that's physically Musical, present yeah. in the grooves of the record. Sure. Um, it's going to pick it up and it's just going to convert that to an electrical signal, send mm -hmm. it on to the rest of your system. Uh, whereas we feel real strongly that by physically isolating the motor, um, and then you can't really see it as well here, but this RPM 10 carbon is a great example of that. Like the motor sits in its own separate a uh, little silo off to the side. It's completely decoupled from the rest of the platter. Um, but by separating those two things and only having the connection point being the belt, we can minimize a lot of that kind of noise and sure. uh, vibration that we pick up otherwise. So yeah, everything we do is belt drive. Uh, but people ask that question a lot. Like, why don't you guys do DJ decks? It's like, it's not our thing. There's yeah, some really, really right. great ones out there. Yeah, um, We feel for a given amount of money, it's all about belt drive. You know, we can get yeah. better performance. But um, yeah, and that's really kind of the genesis of it. You know, if you look back, you know, when the company was founded, you know, a good CD player cost fifteen hundred bucks, um, but you could still buy a really good sounded turntable for about five hundred dollars US, and that's even come down. So you know, we've got some great stuff now in the sub four hundred dollar range, and as I mentioned, all the way up to about twelve thousand dollars. So for us, the sweet spot where Project can really do some really fun stuff. Mm -hmm in my opinion anyway, is that sort of thousand to two thousand dollar range. Right. because um, that's where the economies of scale kick in. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but since our founding, you know, we're now the largest non-Chinese manufacturer of turntables in the world. Wow. Uh, projects can turn out between ten and twelve thousand turntables a month out of our factory in Little Bell, Czechoslovakia, or excuse me, Czech Republic, my fault. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on and we do everything in house. You know, whereas a lot of the companies you talk to, especially in, you know, in high end and analog, yeah. especially, sure. you know, they're assembly houses, right? They don't have, right. you know, it's one of the things that when Ken Zellin was on here talking about Macintosh, it's so special, yeah. right? You've got a company that literally takes sheet metal, glass, paint, mm -hmm. and they make products in-house. Projects the same way. 
We do all our own chassis. We do our own paintwork. We do our own carbon fiber, our own acrylic. Um, very, very few parts that go into this turntable come in from an outside factory. Um, and that vertical integration, plus the amount of just the scale of the company, that allows us to do things that a lot of our competition just can't. So, you know, you look at this guy to my, uh, to my left, the RPM 10 Carbon. This is about a $5,000 uh, table. And that's including an $1,800 Semico moving magnet, or excuse me, moving coil phono cartridge. I mean, that's this, we'll put this up against $10,000, $15,000 tables all day long. And we'll, we'll run. We won't always win, but we'll absolutely be part of that conversation. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to show you a product today called the X2, um, which is, again, like a $1,500 retail table. Ships with a really great cartridge. Um, but the focus here was sort of like kind of demystifying the turntable setup process. Because um, a lot of times, you know, people either haven't owned a record player. And actually, mm -hmm. well, outside of, I know one of you still has got, a, you know, the wheels of steel. But how many of the rest of you guys actually have? uh have turntables in your systems at home yeah i mean i mean i have one but mike do you have one i don't have one man i didn't i didn't get into records is this, the, this is it right here the x2 yeah that's right this nice. white one looks and pretty hopefully you're over awesome. at uh, projectusa.com that's our, our brand new redesigned website okay cool but um yeah great sound and great tech so one of the cool things we wanted to do was kind of give people a really clean way to step up and out of our most popular model, which is Debut Carbon DC. Um, big upgrade for that is people improve the platter. Now they take that steel platter off, they upgrade it with an acrylic version. Uh, we've got a big brother to that called the X1, which just won the ISO award. You guys might've heard that. That's the European Imaging and Sound Association. Really great. Um, actually, I should say, they've changed themselves from European to expert and sound association, trying to get out there a little bit more in the world. Uh, but the ISA, um, basically for best turntable, we're super excited about that. This is you know, a big deal for a project to have a product in there. So that's the, uh, the X1, then the X2, which is the guy we'll be talking about today. That's the big brother in the line. And we really look at this as sort of a real world flagship for a lot of people. Because uh, you know, 1500 bucks, it's a lot of money. Um, and mm -hmm. we want to make sure we're delivering a really great product, Ooh. excellent performance. <laughs> John is like, I see the nice Ooh, one there. One. <laughs> uh -huh. So that's our yeah six person XSB. Um, that's the a lot of the same features, actually a lot of the same technologies. Um, and this is a cool thing as you move up from a three hundred dollar project to a two thousand dollar project, which is what mm -hmm. you have up on screen now. Right. Um, the same fundamentals, right? We're going to take as much money as humanly possible, put it into the main bearing, so what the platter rotates on the sure. tone arm assembly itself, the bearings inside that tone arm, um, and then the included phono cartridge. So, you know, as we spend more money, we can spend more money on things like the chassis. You know, we can do real wood veneers. We can do more esoteric materials like acrylic. Nice. Uh, the guy you were just showing up on your screen even has a Corian subplatter that levitates with <laughs> magnets <laughs> um, nice. in addition to a spring suspension. So, <clears throat> you know, we can do some really fun stuff as we yeah. have more money. And that's uh, that's one of the things economies of scale really allows to do. So let's get rocking. Uh, we're going to set up an X2. I'm going to demystify this $1,500 table. Um, I've done a bunch of these, and I guarantee you, because this is a live web stream, I will still manage to screw something up. So always exciting to see what I mess up online. It's all good, man. Let's do it. Uh, but uh, first things first, when you take one of these things out of the carton, I know this is old fashioned, but this is my appeal on behalf of all manufacturers that are here on the live stream. We include these things for a reason. Please open the manual. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times we get a call through tech support. Hey, what's going on with this feature, with this feature? And really all we're going to do quite often is send you, <laughs> hey, page seven, That's paragraph right. three, here's a PDF. 
Um, there's the diagram that you're talking about. Yeah. So we did this we've actually reason. done a lot better work with the uh, the PDF manuals that are included with a lot of the products. Um, the other sort of general appeal when you set up one of these tables, there's going to be a lot of little accessories inside the carton, and it's really easy to lose sight of a couple of them. Um, so I've laid out a couple of the things that I really wanted to note uh, that people always claim were not in the carton, but they're there. Um, so the Andy Skate Weight, we'll mount that guy up there. Um, 45 RPM adapter. We sell them some nicer ones, but give you a little plastic one just in case you need it. Um, in this case, we also include a pair of Allen keys. You're not gonna need these for setup. Uh, the small one is for reinstalling a new phono cartridge if you ever needed to. The large one is for adjusting the tone arm height. Um, so 99% of the project uh, products that are out there, these things are already set at the factory, but these are tools that you can just keep in the box or keep with the manual. So down the road, if you ever need to make any changes, uh, but don't throw them away. Uh, the one that people always ask about is this, what is this crazy little spacer thing? Um, and that's exactly it, just depending on the height of the phono cartridge um, or the materials of the phono cartridge, if you need a spacer between the tone arm itself and the cartridge, we include one. So that's typically things that are going to be in the carton that you're mm -hmm. never, ever going to need. The other big question is, why the heck do we give you two belts? Um, a lot of project tables, if you do have two belts, the round one is going to be so you can play 78 RPM discs, and there's actually a different mm -hmm. ring on the pulley. Yep. Not a lot of folks are playing the old shellacs, but if you do have a 78 RPM capable cartridge and you want to play those old records, know that a lot of our multi-speed turntables have that ability. But again, that round belt, that's going to stay with the accessories. You're not going to really use it much. Mm -hmm. The square belt's what we're going to want. Um, we also give you this crazy little key tool, which is a little, people always go, what the heck is that? Uh, we definitely, we usually recommend if you're handling the belt, you don't do it with your fingers. Mm. Uh, the oil on your fingers does come off on the rubber. So it's possible that that can actually accelerate the wear of the belt and cause it to slip. So when you're handling the belt, if you can, um, either use the nice cotton gloves that we include There you go. It. I was, um, I was about to take white glove treatment. <laughs> That's right, baby. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, we nice. include it in the X2. Um, and if you're not using the gloves, at least use that little tool so you're not sure. your, getting the oils from your fingers right on the belt. Um, one of the things that we really like to show off, though, is the cable. Um, and you'll see this same variant of cable starting around our $300, uh, $300 range T1 turntable. Um, but unlike a lot of manufacturers out there, Project actually does use a fully symmetrical, real balanced phono interconnect. Um, so we include about a $50, you know, it'll be about a $50 retail cable for most manufacturers, um, where the shield is independent of the positive and negative conductors that we use for the actual you know, to carry the signal from uh, from the turntable up. They end with the little yellow markings on it. Mm -hmm. We float the ground at that end. So this is the end that we actually want you to physically connect to your phono preamp. The reason we do that is we want to keep as much possible noise and interference out of the system, and we want that to be grounded out. So just when you connect those, those yellow ends, that's what goes to the phono preamp. So we include a really nice cable right in the cart. All right, you're gonna lose me off camera here as so I'm gonna get some stuff out of the box. You're good. While you did that, you just made my heart sink when you put those uh, cables on top of that beautiful oh. uh, Sonus Faber. I was like, oh. Did, uh, <laughs> did we mention that all Sonus Faber loudspeakers have a protective lacquer finish? There you go. In this case, nice, it's actually nice a satin finish. There you go. Um, don't ever use them as a custard, though. I will yeah. come through your computer. Jeff will jack you up, man. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, I may look mild-mannered, but, you know. <laughs> 
you start messing with the son and the fathers, I take it personally. That's right. Um, so this is something that you can see now. I'm just taking some of the materials out of the pack, excuse me, out of the bottom, um, out of the bottom foam. This is another thing when you are unpacking these things, take a look inside the foam because quite often there's going to be recesses inside these where we put things like the feet. Uh, well, it's, that's where you'll find the counterweight. Mm. Um, you'll also find the power supply will be taped into the other one of the side. So it's another one of those common support calls. Hey, where's my stuff? It's like, it's right in the base Look of in the packaging. box. That's right. It's taped the there Look. somewhere. <laughs> and if they're, um, the box. and if they're multi-speed, then would the, uh, the other speed rings also be in there as well? Yeah. So we actually include the, uh, the machines, uh, aluminum pulley that we include actually mm -hmm. has multiple speeds. It has two rings on it. Oh, two rings on it. So you okay. won't actually require a separate pulley. Um, gotcha. In event, in excuse me, if you've got a uh, a model that only does single speed, um, we do have pulley kits available for some of those. But an awful lot of them, there's actually two positions on the pulley itself. Okay. Um, the other thing that's kind of cool with Project, and we follow this across the board, electronics, phono, everything. Um, but sort of one of the ways that we're able to keep our overall costs down is these. You know, the turntable itself, it's a, it runs on DC, so there's no specific you know direct current 15 volt. Um, there's nothing specific about um, FCC or UL or any mm -hmm. specific re uh, CE regulation. The power supply is the portion that actually connects up to your, you know, electrical mains. So this portion, uh, we include a, a pretty nice basic switchboard power supply that has all the appropriate regulations. And then all of our devices, whether that's a phono preamp or a power amplifier or a streamer or a turntable, they run off of DC, which allows us to ship basically the same product anywhere in the world. And all we have to do nice. is change out the power supply. Nice. Uh, this also gives us a super popular upgrade um, in that we do offer really nice either battery or heavier duty, uh, high current linear power supplies that can not drive not just the, the, the turntable, but even maybe a phono preamp or an amplifier or a couple other devices. So in a big project system, you might have four or five devices that all are connected back to a single power supply which also has a really nice extra benefit in that it gives you one unified ground plane for every device. So it keeps our electrical noise really super low. Um, so, because this is universal power supply, you need to flip on a little United States power adapter. Okay, so I've got all the stuff out of the packaging. Now let's take a look at this beautiful turntable. Okay. So this, if you've not, uh, be careful with these. You know, these are, this is pretty heavy. So this is the, uh, the X2, this Ooh. particular sample, this is a really beautiful satin walnut veneer. Um, and you can tell, actually, you can see the MDFs. So you can see the unfinished MDF inside mm -hmm. the chassis. Um, we use a really nice, actually, a high-density fiberboard. Um, so very inert, very easy for us to machine. Um, but this also does a really great job of sinking any kind of vibration that was picked up by the main bearing or the base of the tone arm. So we get a really good, stable base for the operation of the table. Uh, you notice the motor. I mentioned that CNC aluminum pulley. Um, and then you can see there's the two rings on the pulley. Okay. So we've got the smaller outside ring and then this inside ring that is what we'll use for 33 and a third and 45 with the big square belt. But nice, heavy duty, nice isolated motor. And this is a cool thing. All of our tables, so anything that runs on a DC power supply these days, um, it's an AC motor. Um, so what we have to do is inside the turntable itself, we have a really cool little circuit with a crystal oscillator in it that generates the exact correct AC voltage to make sure that this motor is turning at the correct. Yeah, exactly. Um, back in the day, we used to just sync this up to the 
60 or 60 or 60 or 50 hertz, mm -hmm. whatever the service voltage was and whatever the line frequency was. So in the US, we're 120 volts, 60 hertz. So we would use that to figure out how fast the motor was going to turn. If you have any little fluctuation there, though, that means the motor's not going to turn at the right speed. Sure. So by moving to a DC with a really, really tightly synchronized uh, crystal oscillator based speed circuit, um, we can actually get a lot better rotation and a lot more accurate speed. So you'll find that on all project tables, starting at a couple hundred bucks. So here we go. So I got the, uh, the feet out. Now, a lot of our more basic tables, we're gonna have a, a flexible rubber foot already pre-installed. Um, as you start spending a little bit more money, we can use a little bit nicer adjustable aluminum foot. And then we actually use just three in this case, because a tripod just sort of in and of its nature, it's gonna be easier to balance and a lot more stable. So we just spin those on. This is a two-piece foot, a little tough to see, but you do get some flexibility. You get a little bit of give here. But most importantly, you can level them. We'll talk about that in a second. So spin those feet on. And then we'll place the, ta place the table on our stand. And I apologize, this particular stand <laughs> I uh, grabbed is... Uh, you never want to run your turntable on That's this because right. it's pretty fail, 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 this is, this demo is for, fail. This is for demonstration purposes only. That's exactly right. Well, I told do you, not do, exciting. You never know. Do not exactly do this at home. That's right. That's right. Uh, so one of the things, you know, whenever, when you place it on a stable surface, please mm -hmm. don't do it on a table that's uh, like what I've got here. Um, we sell a nice little spirit level. You can pick one up at a hardware store, you know, whatever. Uh, but it's really important that the turntable its body itself is level. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons we give you these leveling feet. Because um, once that stylus, when you think about it trying to do its job, if you're already pushing it towards one groove or another, because the turntable itself isn't level, mm -hmm. you know, that's going to increase wear on that side of the record. It's going to increase distortion and it's going to really damp, uh, it's going to hurt your table's ability to track properly. So you want to make sure it's balanced uh, and level both on both the front to back and the side to side plane. So get yourself a decent bubble level, check that out. In this case, I'm a little bit back. And so it's a nice thing with these, we can easily adjust that, get a couple mil of extra height on the front. All right, and now we're level. So that's kind of where you'd start. Next thing, this is what's called a sub platter type turntable. So what this means is unlike a lot of tables where You've got, uh, you know, the spindle's already sitting right up out, out of the, uh, the turntable itself. We've got a, this little resin subplatter piece. Now, this is one of the parts that as you spend more money from project, you're going to get more rotational mass. So one of the ways we do that is the bigger, heavier part here. Uh, because again, the more rotational mass we've got, once we get that thing up to speed, it's going to have a tendency to stay at speed. So we'll drop that right into the main bearing well. And I love that. So I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, yeah it just, just kind of floats down. But, but it floats down. So what we've got here is we've got a Teflon line brass bearing well. Mm -hmm. And at the base of that, we have a, a really high precision, nicely polished steel ball bearing. Uh, but you notice that speed, you know, the amount of time it takes for that to sink, that's due to the, it, it, the tolerances are so tight. It takes that long for the mm -hmm. air to evacuate gotcha. from that brass bearing well. Um, so really high tolerance part, and that's super important because this piece, if there's any sort of rubbing or noise or physical friction, 
that's mm-hmm. going to turn into a rumble, which again, once that comes up to the platter, it can get picked up by the stylus. You have no way to differentiate that between an audio signal and just something happening inside the turntable itself. So Those really look like nice some have a nice, nice bearings. I mean, piece. you barely moved it and it's just still spinning, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, you take the, this is, uh, we, I wish we should have set this one up. We could have started a counter. <laughs> oh, there um, you go. But just I'll let it roll. Like the RPM 10 carbon. Let's, uh, I took the belt off just so there's a little less friction and let's just see how long that keeps going. That's funny. Uh, but that's really important. Um, so next thing, belt. Um, and I will, I'm going to do as one of, do as I, do there as you I go. say here. Ladies and, and gentlemen, the gloves are coming out. That's right. Look at that. As long as they're not rubber gloves, we're good. That's right. I don't want, yeah, sorry guys, trigger <laughs> warning here if anybody's had a, that's a, uh, Y'all are, y'all are too young for that. It's, uh, it's, uh, all right. Where'd I put that belt? So yeah. Um, check the speaker. There it is. Uh I was about to say, check the box, you know, check the box. It's always in the box. It was, it was included. That's right. It was included. It was missing. Um, if you're really, 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 uh, got that great attention to detail, Mm -hmm. there's actually a project logo on the belt. So you want nice. to make sure that's right side up. It does not make any difference in performance, I assure you. It just looks However, cool. Mm-hmm, good for peace of mind, you know. That's right. Those right, OCD guys. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, and that's kind of one of the fun things and one of the infuriating things with with records. Uh, you know, the vinyl playback. Um, by the way, you notice that turntable? That it's still grooving, man. Still, still grooving. spinning. Excellent bearings. Um, it's very, very tolerant of, uh, of inaccuracies. You know, everything doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can still get pretty good sound out of an analog system. The, uh, the better you can make things, everything does make a difference, though. So every little change that we can make, we can improve the bearing and you know, machine it by an extra thousandth mm-hmm. of a millimeter, get that a little extra precision. It's going to make a difference in the performance. Tone arm bearings. Make sure you have the correct downforce. You know, Make sure the cartridge is perfectly mounted. Every little thing you do can make a positive and immediate difference. And it's not that sort of difference like, hey, I read on the internet that if I, I don't want to piss anybody off with the audio file tree, <laughs> but if I do, you know, if I, if I stand on my head on a full moon, then, you know, it'll really improve my, my sound stage. And it's like, mm, I don't know about that. Like this stuff is actually, there's really good mechanical reasoning behind you know, what those improvements are. All right, so now we got our belt mounted. Um, one thing, so this is, we have about 13 uh, CNC machines in-house, so we do an awful lot of aluminum parts at Project. Um, these we do in-house. Just make sure when you get that belt that it doesn't sit on that top of that ridge. There's actually a, the entire uh, belt should drop right inside that, uh, that little ridge. Now, platters. And this is going to go to one Ooh, of Joe's favorite things. Look at that. Yeah. So we really like um, to use a heavier platter as you move up rpm 10 carbon still spinning um <laughs> as you uh it's awesome as you move up and spend more money you're going to get a more massive platter so like a debut carbon comes with about a 1.25 kilogram steel platter um still pretty good it's great super consistent um but one of the downsides is, is rings um acrylic this is a great way for us to get more mass and it's inert mm-hmm. um, so this is about a two kilogram platter that we include with the x2 give you a uh, little bit lighter one and a half kilogram platter with the little brother, the X one. 
Um, the other thing I love about this, and this is sort of like the satin black finish, uh, steel, or if you have a felt mat on a turntable, um, as soon as you put that felt mat on here, it's going to have dust, mm -hmm. cat hair, mm -hmm. you know, whatever sort Everything. of things yeah. are going to get picked up immediately. It's going to end up right on your, you don't have to have a cat and there will be cat hair on that felt mat. <laughs> exactly. Um, the acrylic plat. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. There it was. Job. I love that line. So that was for you, buddy. That yeah, was, like, thank you. A little hard to work in. <laughs> it's hard to work in. Usually that's around the satin black finish. Um, but yeah, that's a really nice thing. So the, the acrylic platter, you can run this no problem without a mat. Um, some people still like to run it with a mat. So we usually recommend cork or we make one that's cork with rubber uh, built in. So that actually does a nice job. Breaks up, even gives a little more mass. Uh, and it can further damp any sort of unwanted resonance you might pick up from the platter. All right. So now we got the basics all connected. Uh, now for the last part. So this is just, we're gonna balance the arm. So if uh, one of the nice things about buying a turntable like this, like the X2, um, is it already has that factory mounted Sumiko Moonstone moving magnet cartridge. So you don't really have to mess with the cartridge too much. Um, but I did think that this was a, a good opportunity to point out a couple of the tools that you have available. Um, if you wanted to use a different photo cartridge, you're down the road, you were gonna mount. So you had moved up, you bought one of the Sumiko Songbird uh, moving coil carts. Uh, we include a super basic little protractor with a lot of our turntables. Um, for those of you that are playing along at home, this is Lofgren A. That's the, there's five or six different types of um, alignments, depending on where that, um, where that photo cartridge is going to be exactly um, in the center of the groove. They'll have two, what they call null points. Um, so that's one of the dirty little secrets about, you know, using a, uh, using a, a not a linear tracking type tone arm, but using a single pivot tone arm to trace what's happening in a round groove um, is it's never perfect. The geometry, you're always going to be a little bit off. Um, so there's two points where the groove is direct, the needle is directly per perpendicular uh, to the rotation of the motion, to the rotation of the record. So it's right in the center of the groove. Um, so in this case, we give you that little thing. If you ever wanted to check it, it's actually kind of fun. If you want to check to see if the factory got it right, and I'm yet to see one that they've screwed up. Here we um, go on live TV, folks. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you mentioned uh, that earlier. So, mm -hmm. There's a little, uh, there's a little drop right in the center. And I'll actually just drop that. I'm not going to worry about balancing it yet. And you can test it. So there's a little grid there, and that grid will show two things. So one, it'll have a the exact point where the center, the tip of the stylus should drop right onto that corresponding point um, on the, and then also the body of the cartridge should be parallel to the lines on the grid. So if you look and all of a sudden that you see that the funnel cartridge is actually cocked over to one direction or the other, that means you're gonna get uneven wear mm -hmm. in the stylus instead of riding directly down the center of the groove and tracing both groove walls e evenly, it's gonna be riding to one side or the other. So you really wanna make sure that that's properly mounted. So in this case, this guy's perfect. So we've, you know, we're ready to go. Um, there's a bunch of different ways to do this. So there's, you know, you can look up online, there's about four different really common um, alignment tools. And really all that it's about is where do you want the two null points to be? So in the case of uh, this particular alignment, we're actually a little bit uh, we're not quite right. The, the perfect point isn't right at the edge of the record. And it's a little further in towards the label. 
and on some of the other possible alignments. So the idea is what kind of music are you listening to? You know, Mr. Lichtenegger is a big classical music fan. And in many cases, if you're listening to a big orchestral piece, you're getting full output all the way up to almost the label of the record. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have an awful lot of information there. Do so you want to make sure that you're not getting any additional, what they call intergroove distortion as you get towards the center of that record, you know, the end of the side. Right. So that's why he uses this particular alignment. If you're listening to more pop music or maybe singles that have less information, most of it's out towards the edge of the record, there are other alignments that actually do a better job and place their null points further out towards the edge. So this is what I kind of was saying. You, just about everything you do does matter. You can get as crazy as you want with this. And we have all kinds of folks online that spend hours um, going through different possible alignments and listening to what they think sounds best. As with most things, we just chose we chose one that works really well for a wide range of music. Sure. Um, and that's what we have. So that's one basic. That's really simple protractor. We include that with most of our tables. Um, and you can find these online. Great resource at Vinyl Engine that actually includes some download, uh, downloadable protractors as well. Um, this is a little hard to see in this case, but this is actually has three different alignments. So it's got uh, you know the bare wall curve, Lofgren, and Stevenson. So we've got three different possible alignments on this tool. This is called an Align It DS2. Uh, when you're setting up something you like or? an ARP... Is that something yeah, you sell? Yeah, this is a project part uh, called gotcha. the Align It DS2. Okay, cool. My favorite, though, is... Uh, where the heck did I put it? It's awfully big to be hiding. My favorite, though, is this guy. Um, this is a product that we call the Align It. Um, all Whoa. of what we looked at before, these are all two-point mounts mm-hmm. um, because they don't know the length of the tone arm. So they can't precisely match, hey, how far is the tip of that stylus going to be from the, ma- the rotating point of the main bearing? So the idea with the Align It is this actually is an adjustable tool. And depending on the length of the tone arm, this can go all the way out to a 12-inch arm like you'd have on our Signature 12. Uh, a nine or 10 inch arm, 8.6, or even a seven inch arm. So depending on the particular length of the tone arm that's involved. So I believe for this guy, we want to be on number four, which is for a nine inch arm. And the Align It, this is a really cool tool. Um, something I recommend any, any really good setup dealer, they're going to have some version of their own setup protractor. Um, this is about a $200 part that we make available from Project. But uh, the idea here is we actually put that on. Let's get that back to number three. Now, this doesn't come with the turntable, right? This is just an additional product you guys are selling. Even the plastic one that, or the the other one that he sold or mentioned earlier. That one came. Yeah, so that's you get you get the basic cardboard type uh, protractor, and it does a nice job. But here we go. So number two. So I've got this whole thing, all thing, excuse me, all aligned. So if we were all the way at at number, you know, five, that'd be for a twelve inch, ten inch. Uh, this is for a ten inch S shaped, mm-hmm. and then number two, this is for a nine inch tone arm. So here's the cool thing: we know the exact distance mm-hmm. between the point of the stylus and the pivot point of the actual tone arm. So in this case, we can you know drop this, make sure everything's tightened up. Uh, but this is a super e- easy way to dub to double check with a great degree of precision. And because you don't have to do it at two different points, you minimize the amount of like, hey, tightening up the cartridge, moving the cartridge, mm-hmm. try the second location, move it again. Um, you just do it once and you're done. So in this case, we just go out here, rotate the tool to make sure that we're 
at the correct spot. And then there's another, there's a little dot that corresponds with the number that's listed here on the turn on the, gotcha. on the, this little acrylic piece. Oh. So you drop the needle, make sure that it sits right on that knot on that dot and you're done. You're good it's to a go. single point alignment tool. So if you're doing a lot of turntable setups, a tool like this just makes a lot of sense. Um, the other cool thing with this product is it also gives you a little mirror. Um, so this allows you to really easily look and just check to make sure that the azimuth is correct. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about azimuth, that's, am I dropping the needle directly down flat or is the entire arm tube tilted just a little bit? Um, all project arms, well, up to from the 8.6 inch aluminum arm right on up, do have an azimuth adjustment. 99% um, of the time, actually more than that, it's going to be fine. Don't mess with it. It's one of those things that once you loosen it, chances mm -hmm. are you'll never get it back. If it, if it mm -hmm. doesn't need fixing, don't do it. Uh, but if you do need to, if you see that the stylus isn't exactly perpendicular to the surface of that mirror, this will allow you to change that azimuth, make that proper adjustment, get better tracking. So the good news is all these other tools that we just talked about, you don't have to mess with any of them because this has been set up from the factory and is ready to rock. So they do a really good job making sure that that cartridge is properly mounted. So last thing we really need to do is worry about uh, set up the, the proper amount of downforce. All right, if you, this is just telling how much force is being pushed down or is the front of the uh, stylus being pushed down on the surface of the record. Mm -hmm. Too much force, we're gonna get uneven wear, we're gonna get a lot of distortion, the suspension of the cartridge can't handle the weight. So eventually it's gonna not only damage the record, but damage the, uh, the cartridge itself, not enough, and you're not going to track properly. If you get something with a lot of energy, it could actually force the stylus out of the groove and it causes it to skip across the record. So it's really all about finding that right balance. Um, just about any of the Semico cartridges, we're going to want to see around 1.8 grams uh, of downforce. So this is kind of a cool thing with Project. So you level out the arm. Um, and you want to make sure that the stylus guard has been removed because, again, that's got a lot of mass. So we don't want to balance it with the guard on there and then realize that we've, you know, improperly balanced it because it was taking into account weight that's not there during playback. Um, so really, you're just going to rotate the counterweight. Uh, so in this case, I'm going clockwise. It's always hard to do, like stage clockwise. <laughs> exactly house clockwise um, so you want to get it so it just kind of floats so once we've got that tone arm pretty well floating this is the trick so you gently put the arm back in the rest hold the main portion of the weight so it doesn't move gently move that zero so that it's sitting in the 12 o'clock position all right and then now all i have to do is rotate in to right around between 15 and 20. Um, and this is this is where you're gonna get the, always makes us a little crazy. Um, grams is a measure of mass. Millinewtons is a vector force. So when we're talking about applying downforce, that's in millinewtons. So that's why this thing is calibrated in millinewtons mm -hmm. instead of grams. Thankfully, it's just multiplied by 10. Um, so you're going to get pretty close. So you get between 15 and 20 and then lift the uh, counterweight, or excuse me, lift the tone arm lift and then we can give it a shot. All right. So good. We've got pretty good, uh, 
pretty good weight, pretty good weight there. Now, if you wanted to check that, and didn't want to just use this, um, some of our turntables do include a little, a, a little seesaw type scale, um, but we also make available a really cool little, you know, digital, uh, digital scale. This one's nice. called the Measure It E. Uh, but there's a bunch of them out there. You can get them from a lot of different suppliers. Um, but this little guy is a great choice if you're doing a lot of turntable setups or you just, you know, you got a couple of tables around the house and you like checking this stuff out. Um, I've already taken the liberty of balancing this out and zeroing it out to make sure it's okay. So what I'm going to do here is just position it over the, right on the center of that scale and then drop it. And I'm tracking it. 1.9 so i'm just a little bit hot so i'll reduce that just a little bit give it an extra test all right and we're ready to rock so one last thing project uh, we do believe in anti-skating um so this is uh, kind of a i don't know why it's controversial but it should be I don't really think it should be. Um, but as a disc is rotating, as it's spinning, um, there's going to be a natural tendency of that arm to get pulled in towards the center of the spindle. So that um, that extra uh, that extra force applied to one side of the stylus can cause a little bit more record wear, can cause an uneven distortion, um, an uneven wear on your records. So we apply a little anti-skate weight to cancel out that distort or cancel out that force that's drawing it towards the center of the spindle and that's uh that's pretty simple um so this little well and of course this particular weight doesn't have that little monofilament uh, but see i knew there'd be something that didn't go right in this. <laughs> exactly uh, but there's a little monofilament line that attaches to this weight uh, we'd simply there's on the back of the tone arm there's three notches in this little um this little escutcheon here we'd put it over the second notch hang it over this hanger here and that just provides an equal amount of, uh, of anti-skate force to cancel out that force that's drawing it towards the center of the spindle as the record's playing. Um, and we use this real simple monofilament on a string, uh, excuse me, weight on a monofilament string, because it's simple um, and it really does. It provides nice even force as we track across the entire surface of the record. So unlike a spring-loaded system or a magnetic system, um, which can also be pretty effective, but magnets, as you get them further away, of course, they're going to have less effect on each other. If you get them closer, you're going to get more resistance. So you're not going to get even anti-skate across the entire range of motion. Um, so we use that, sing that, simple, uh, that simple system. But that's it. So that's a pretty quick setup. And that's, you know, you're ready to rock and roll with a really good sounding $1,500 turntable. Right on. Thank you so much, Jeff, for that uh, demo, man. Sure. Uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, yeah. Somebody just said not kid friendly at all. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. Um, here's another question. I think you already answered this, and this was uh, I have sure. uh, I have records that are 78 RPM. Does Project have uh -huh. any components that accommodate them? Sure. And I believe you do, right? Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, you touched on that a little bit earlier. If you want to go back into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so that's this makes it a little bit more kid friendly. <laughs> Uh, oh, this so you, yeah. have a nice, you have a nice hinged, mm -hmm. hinged acrylic dust cover. Uh, this is any of our rectangular plinth tables are going to have a hinged acrylic cover. Um, and it's that. actually a really nice hinged part. So it's, you know, it's going to do a good job. Uh, so in this case, uh, 33 to third, 45. Um, or if you wanted to, if you removed the, uh, 
if you removed the uh, excuse me, remove the the platter, use the round belt. Round belt, and then you could brilliant. go to the the outside, uh, the bottom ring on this pulley, and then when you clicked it over, you'd be at seventy eight RPM. So yeah, absolutely. So starting with the debut carbon is three VC, so a six hundred dollar retail product. Um, we do have the ability to play back seventy eight RPMs as well. Um, keep in mind, if you're playing back seventy eight RPM discs, you do need to have a conical steel stylus. Um, you do not want to put a modern elliptical diamond stylus on one of your precious 78s. It will, you will leave a peel of shellac mm. right up the record and you will never, ever hear it again. Oh. Um, you notice, how do I know that you'll do that? Because at some point, <laughs> I was going to play the 78s. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Pre-project, but um, you will ruin your record. So be careful about that. You'll need a special stylus for 78 RPM playback. But yeah, um, so starting in the debut line with the debut Esprit SB, um, and then a lot of our other turntables that do have electronic features will give you that option. I like how you guys have a full lineup from, you know, three dollars $400 on up to, you know, I need to sell my car. Uh, right. <laughs> price <laughs> level. So that's, that's pretty cool. And um, speaking of special stylus, I had a question for you. Um, sure. I see a lot of, uh, well, repressings, not pressings, uh, repressings mm -hmm. of mono albums. Like I got a yes. Beatles revolver in mono. I got a Jimi mm -hmm. Hendrix electric ladyland in mono. Do I really like mm -hmm. how important is it to put, to use that with a mono stylus? Well, and this is where, this is one of the great analog questions, right? Cause ah. everything absolutely makes a difference. Okay. Um, you can totally play back a mono, um, a mono pressing on a stereo cartridge. You can do it um, and you're gonna get really good performance. In a perfect world, you'll get identical signal coming out of both channels. Um, and then if you had a mono, uh, mono button on your preamp, great. It's just gonna sum it for you. You're gonna get really good response. Okay. So it just depends. Um, if you were to purchase, we actually have the Beatles 19, or sorry, the Beatles Singles Collection uh, debut SB S-shaped turntable available. Mm -hmm. And that actually ships with two detachable head shells. One of them has a mono cartridge installed on it oh so wow. we we do think for best possible performance yeah you want to have a mono cartridge um, but you can play them back for the stereo cartridge and you get great results very good very good here's but another yeah, question um, great love them uh does project have a linear tracking turntable we do not and i sort of alluded to that a, a moment ago linear tracking has sort of been like the holy grail for tone arm designers for years uh, there's been, there was a lot of early, um, Marantz had one, Repco had one, uh, Harman Kardon used, uh, Phase Linear. A lot of guys over the years have tried out different uh, linear trackers. Heck, even uh, Techniques had some little uh, linear trackers. Um, the reason a lot of companies have gotten, we've all kind of gotten out of it, is it's really, really, really difficult to keep an arm. And a linear tracking turntable basically means instead of having a single pivot point, and then, you know, we're always transcribing arc across the surface mm -hmm. of the record. Right. Yep. In the case of a linear tracker, is we'd just be moving from the outside edge right oh, to the spindle, but right. the stylus would always be positioned at, let's call this the three o'clock position on mm -hmm. the record. Right. All right. So it would go directly across. Now, theoretically, that means we always have perfect alignment with the groove wall. Right. So both grooves are going to be directly centered across the entire surface. But as you can imagine, getting a mechanism that without any sort of additional friction, was going to track exactly at the correct speed. And that's going to change, right? Depending right. on how much 
we're talking 33 and a third RPM, but the groove's getting shorter and smaller and smaller and smaller as you get towards the center. So that's really, really difficult to, to actually track. Um, so most manufacturers kind of gave up on those kind of in the 70s. I don't mm-hmm. know if anybody's had a new one um, since probably the early 80s. I, so I no, saw we don't one. do any linear tracking. I saw one at the show uh, last year when we were really uh, you know, presenting. Okay. Yeah, oh, it was super expensive. Clear though. audio. I'm sorry. It was a clear audio, audio table. Still do a linear oh, okay. tracker. That's right. Okay. They're very must have been that. Um, yeah, that's about a two hundred thousand dollar deck. If yeah, it was in the Wilson so. Audio Room, so I would imagine it, <laughs> yeah. it's it, it's up yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, really difficult to get something. I mean, this is a it's a very very high level of precision to move that correctly. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that we just know for a given amount of money. And that's kind of what we do with project, right? We know that by using a really, really, really excellent gimbal and two very, very high quality, uh, knife edge or pinpoint bearings in here, we can get really great tracking. Um, and with proper alignment, we can eliminate the null point over, you know, the, for what you're going to really notice for most playback. Hey, there was a few, but yeah, good there- question. Go ahead and yeah. uh, answer a few more questions. Uh, afterwards, I just wanted to make sure, if you can, if it's possible. Um, Go ahead. Sure I'm happy to, to around. any other questions. Otherwise, uh, you guys tell me kind of where we're... I didn't set up a proper clock. To no, let, you're good. Uh, we got you're, you're, you're good on some time. Yeah, yeah, you're you're no, time. no worries. Yeah. We're just saying uh, after, so I'm, I'm after this is done, if you can possibly um, jump well, hey, into the chat. While I got the gloves up here, let me show you guys something else pretty cool. This is It's going to be a puppet show, actually. puppet show. Oh, mercy. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. uh, it's uh, no, I want to show you off one of our phono preamps. So this is one of the other things as you kind of move down the chain. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of AB receivers have, in the last couple of years are starting to put phono stages back in, which is kind of a good thing. Um, but what we're finding is that, you know, a lot of the phono stage that you're building into a modern AB component, it's just there's only so much you can do. You know, when you look at what a $1,500 or $2,000 AV receiver has to do. Network capability, HDMI switching, you know, advanced DSP-based speaker equalization. I mean, there's an awful lot. Um, the phono stage that they're using is gonna be pretty basic. So at Project, one of the things we also do is we make a full range of electronics. So streamers, amplifiers, preamplifiers, DACs, um, and of course, phono stages. Um, a little over a year ago, in commemoration of our 500,000 phono preamplifier, so we've made an awful lot of these in the last 15 years. Um, we came up with this guy. So this is the Phonobox Ultra 500. Um, so this is a, a $400 retail um, phono stage. But one of the things that's very, very cool about it, you notice on the bottom here, we've got all of these uh, switches for adjustment. So just about any phono cartridge can be accommodated with this preamp. So moving magnet cartridges, they're all pretty easy. Electrically, they're all about the same. We want to see a 47 kilo ohm load impedance. Uh, but when you start playing around with moving coil, that's where things get crazy. And every moving coil cartridge is going to have slightly different electrical characteristics that it wants to see. So a lot of our better phono stages give you that full range of adjustments. So starting around 300 bucks, you can get into something from Project that'll work with both high and low output moving coils and give you a wide range of um, adjustable gain and loading. Um, also has a defeatable subsonic filter. So you guys have all seen that at some point, if somebody's you know got a something weird going on with their system and the woofer cones just slowly are moving in and out, you know, that's could be subsonic energy either picked up by resonance from the tone arm or you know in the groove itself. So that subsonic filter, let's get that away, free up our amplifier from trying to reproduce that stuff that doesn't make any sound for us anyway. Uh, but this is a great sounding little phono stage 
runs about 400 bucks, fully uh, copper, uh, copper chassis that's then chrome plated. So the copper, all about eliminating any sort of EMI, so electromagnetic interference or RFI, mm-hmm. basically acts as a little Faraday cage because this is what I love. You know, Josh has got those big 600 watt monoblocks behind him, yeah. you know, and I'm holding a photo stage in my hand. Now, which one of these do you think does more work electrically? The phono stage? It's going to be the phono stage. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's going to be the trick God. question. I was waiting. I was <laughs> waiting for you guys, but. Yeah, no. So it's. I figured it was trick questions. So I'm just chilling out. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one, right? But it's. Uh, so in terms of decibels of gain, you know, if you've got a two volt line level signal coming in and you only got to get that up to 80 volts, you know, which is your amplifier rail voltage. You know, of course, it takes a lot more electrical energy because it's a lot of we're moving a lot of current. We're trying to get a lot of power across that eight ohm load to get it out into the room. But just in terms of decibels of gain, you know, this guy is doing about up to about 68 dB of gain so that a low output moving coil cartridges, tiny, tiny signal can be brought up to line level. So, so um, really important that you've got a good, clean, quiet phono stage as the basis of any system. So I, I, yeah. I'm going to then assume that none of the project turntables have like a built-in uh, phono preamp. Oh, yeah. We do. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, do. you do? Yeah. yeah. And this is, you know, from a real-world standpoint, you know, when you get to kind of this range, a $1,500 table, um, it you doesn't make a lot of one? sense for us to put one. Yeah, you're going to want something outboard. Okay. It's going to get you better performance. Cool. Um, but let's say, you know, one of our most popular places to connect a turntable these days is plug it into a powered speaker system. Right. Yeah. You know, you got your Kios or Blue Sound or Sonos or whatever, um, or your PlayFi system from Macintosh. You want to plug in a turntable. Those things don't have a phono stage built in. Sure. Um, so in that case, mm-hmm. something like our T1 Phono SB or debut Record Master, they've got a really nice, basically about a hundred dollar, um, well, actually seventy nine dollar. They'd have our Phono Box MM mm-hmm. built into the chassis of the turntable. So. Even at that level, that's going to smoke what you're going to find in most AV receivers up to about two grand. Um, and I've done that direct comparison. It's pretty amazing. You use that little outboard funnel stage. Nice performance bump. Yeah, I saw that one. Hey, Jeff, awesome. we had a we had a question a bit earlier about sure. our, our isolation method. So one person uh, asked, you know, how does Project isolate their turntable? So obviously we have different approaches. Sure. So you have two tables with ver- two very different philosophies in terms of isolation there in front of you. Yes. So if you can touch, if you could touch on that, that'd be awesome. Sure. So we, we this is, this guy's pretty good. Oh, yeah. he's here. <laughs> this is, uh, go ahead. Very quickly though, cause we have just a few minutes before we have to jump into the Sonus Faber um, seminar. Sure. Go ahead, Jeff. If Go you ahead. Talk oh, I'm sorry. You're just saying you have a. You have a. Yeah. He's, he's just. He's just quick. setting. He's setting the so stage. So we basically for you, got three different ways that we we isolate uh, isolate a turntable. Um, so if you look at our big product, something like the Signature series, you know, actually even the X series, um, this is this is basically we have a a large solid plinth and some version of an isolation foot. All right, but there's no suspended sub chassis. This is really going to be all about mass. And it still wants to sit on a good solid base. Um, if you look at something like our classic SB, that's actually a suspended subchassis design. So in that case, you'll see that the um, the top platter or the top plinth, excuse me, um, is going to be separate than the surface that the actual bearing for the main bearing and the motor uh, sits on. So you'll have the tone arm up on one surface, and it's physically isolated from its plinth 
from the main plinth, whereas where the main bearing and the motor sits. Um, so that's a suspended sub-chassis design. The other one is like the big dog here off to my side, the RPM 10 carbon. Um, in this case, this basically has zero isolation built into the product itself. Um, it's everything is designed to go to a three cone type feet. So it's all about taking internal vibration, sinking it to ground. So in this case, we actually include about a 35 pound carbon fiber wrap mass loaded plinth that that turntable sits on. So the job of this and its isolation foot that's on the bottom of it, this is designed to absorb any sort of exterior vibration as well as behave as a sink for any vibration generated by the table itself. So three different philosophies, three very different kind of designs. Um, it's really all about kind of what works best in a particular uh, particular scenario. Well, very, wow, very good. Cool. Je Jeff, thank yeah. you for, so a lot of for cool doing stuff. this. It's a huge line. We make a great lineup of turntables, uh, every just about every price and you know find something for a budget or application, but whether that's being plugging into a powered speaker system or you know all the way out to a you know, really big, uh, you know, really big audiophile turntable used within this tarot cartridge. We've got a solution for you. Well, I'll let I'll let Jeff take us out here. Oh, we can't hear. Oh, there's no audio. No. Oh, <laughs> no. okay. Hold on. He had it all queued up, man. All oh, good. Oh man. Oh, it looks great. I'm gonna get Thank this. Thank you, Jeff, uh, from Project and. Uh, Stick around, everybody. We'll be right back with Sonus Faber as day four of the Hi-Fi Summit continues. It's everywhere. Thanks, guys. We're doing the same Thanks, thing. Thanks, guys. That in black. Uh, we kind of joke around here that you know, as soon as you put a piano black piece down, of course, you're going to get dust. You're going to get fingerprints. You're going to get cat hair. You don't even have to have a cat. A piano black product just attracts all that.